right. We're kind of in our self-improvement series. I don't like kind of what we named catchy title for it yet. It'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Well, uh, today we're going to be looking at we can't do it by ourselves. We were meant to have a interaction, a connection with God. That He is to be our provider. He is to handle all of our situations. Our role is to listen and do. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your word. Father, we thank you for, for the opportunity to explore it, to see what you have for it. Father, use it to enrich our lives. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it. Lord, just take myself out of the way and just let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to um, be in Acts today, chapter 5, and starting in verse 1. God laid out a little story for us. And I hate to call them stories. I just don't know what a better term will be for it because these are factual events. So God laid out this factual event for us to, uh, to study about today. And about a, a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. We in Acts 5 and 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They kept back a part of the price, and his wife, also being privy to it, all bought a certain part and laid back at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, he said, Why has Satan filled thy heart with a lie and the Holy Ghost, and to keep back a part of the price of the land? While it were remained, it was not thy own, and after it was sold, it was not in thy power. Why hast thou convicted this thing in thy own heart? Why hast thou lied on the men, but also unto God? And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and in great fear came over all them that heard these things. And the young men rose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about space three hours came, when his wife, not knowing what had done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me why you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. And Peter said unto her, How is it that you agreed together in the temple of the Holy Spirit? And behold, the feet of which buried thy husband in the door shall carry thee out. And she fell straight away at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon the church and upon the many that heard these things. Now the word of God, it tells us that Jesus himself did so many great things during this time here on earth that there's not enough books to contain everything that he did. So we think about the eternity of God and all the things that God has done. There's not enough books. So we think about this and we know that the word of God was hand-selected by him to be presented to us. So we have to look at each and every account and see why God, out of everything he possibly could have put in this book, why he chose these certain events to give to us and what are we supposed to get out of it. Each and every thing, there is something for us to get out of it. It's hand-selected for us. Last week we talked about fear of God. And I was thinking about that message as the week went on. And I hope all of you are doing the same thing. 
That's the idea of the thing. It's to be thought-provoking. To want more. Now, we know that God loves us all. We know that He wants us to repent. We know that He wants us to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and He wants us to spend eternity in heaven with Him. But the Word also tells us about a God who flooded the whole entire world when there was nothing in it but evil. And He destroyed an entire city and everyone in it. That He gave His people the ability to wipe out opposing nations. He stripped kings of their kingdoms. Now, is this something past tense, or is this something he still does today? I don't see no reason why not. See, God knows everything. Nothing is a surprise to him. He knows who's going to turn around, who's going to change, who's going to be better, who's going to further the kingdom of heaven. And he also knows who is going to drive people out of it. He knows who's going to repent, who's not going to repent. Who's heaven bound and who's not heaven bound. So you have to ask yourself, we have God with a track record of eliminating threats when need be. We have a God that knows the beginning from the end. The past, present, and future. That perhaps if you're doing more harm than good, maybe he wants to do away with you. But what else can we learn from this? That God tells us to give back a portion of what he gives us. After all, it is all God's money. He gives us the talent, the ability to do what we do to be able to earn money. He gives us the opportunities that come along. He gives us all the stuff that we have, all the stuff that we use that money for. You know, money is just a something that we trade for something else, something we need. We all need things. So when we buy meat, we buy vegetables, metal and wood that we construct things out of. These are all things made by God anyway. It's all his stuff. So what he's doing is he's acting for a portion back. Not because he needs it, not because he wants it. Because he can sanctify the rest of what we have left over. So it can come underneath the kingdom of heaven, come underneath his protection, so it can be used for our benefit and for the benefit of the kingdom of heaven. And it's also to take care of his church. So it can grow. And we can reach others. And do more. And be self-sustaining. Now it's a fine line here because... If everyone was getting a a death sentence for not doing, not giving, not doing our part, we all 
we'll be dropping dead. Because at some point in our life, we have all cheated God. We're all guilty of it. I was in a church one day, and uh, it had some altars, very much like the one you see up here. Except on the end of them, they had a big plaque on either side. And it was in gold, and it was engraved, and it was the name of the couple that donated these altars. Many times in life we have people that are doing the right things, giving, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons, for their praise. God tells us to give the first portion. He says, give us a tenth back. Give it to your local church. He doesn't say to give it to Sarah McLaughlin's sad animal commercial. He doesn't tell you to give it to the panhandle on the side of the road. He doesn't tell you to give it to your neighbor. He says it to your local church. Because this is what keeps it running. This is what supports it. And it sanctifies the remainder of what you have left over. But he doesn't say we have to stop here. Oh no, all these other things we are more encouraged to do. Anything that comes onto your heart that you feel that you need to contribute to, by all means, do so. After God gets his portion first. Because God, he gives to us in abundance. And the reason he does that is, is so we can share. He blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. So if you feel like that you need to hold back from giving from God... You have no faith. When your wallet starts to get thin and God's payment is the first thing that gets cut because we see no ramifications from that. Because God's not going to call you on the telephone for a collection. He's not going to send you a letter or an email. It's not going to hurt your credit score and your power's not going to get off. All right, so I'm rabbit hunting a little bit here. We're getting a little off topic. Because these two were doing something different. This was not just your basic tithing, not tithing situation here. They were attempting to make a grand gesture for the church. They wanted a, a look at me moment, a spectacle It was to have people look at them and see this grand sacrifice they were made. See, they were giving up something very valuable. Land. Land, since the beginning of time, people have wanted to own land because land is a source of provision. Land gives you a place where you can plant crops to grow food. It gives you a place where you can graze animals. It gives you a place where you can build a homestead. It's something that has a potential to keep producing profit, keep making you money. And they were selling it and they were claiming to give all the profits to the church. Now why? 
you know, they could have said, okay, we're going to sell this property and we're going to give you half of it. We're going to give you a quarter of it. We're going to give you three quarters of it. Or, you know, they could have simply not said anything. We're not going to give you any of the money. We're just going to keep it for ourselves. It's after all, it's ours. In either case, that would have been fine. But you see, we have things that tug on our heartstrings that affect us a little bit. We see the commercials on TV. Maybe not as much as we used to since the invention of DVR. We can just skip over them, but you remember back. They'll tell you, for just the price of a cup of coffee, you can feed a hungry child. For just pennies a day, you can save a dog's life. We get the flyers in the mail. We see the commercials on TV. And even our local straight troopers will give you a call wanting a donation. And we see these things. Well, the cause is good. Because, you know, that's what Jesus would do, right? We want to help. We want to contribute. We want to see hungry children fed. We want to see animals saved. We want to support our local community, our law enforcement, and different things like that. But see, what they don't tell you is that there's only a small portion that's actually going to that cause. They don't tell you that for every dollar you send, that only 10 cents is going to that charity. Only 10 cents of every dollar is going to feed that hungry child. Only 10 cents of every dollar is going for that foundation. The other 90 cents is pure profit for the act of making that phone call and processing your money. Now imagine if God hadn't made an example of these people, if he hadn't called them out, everyone around them would have thought how great they are, how good and heartfelt, how selfless they are. That these people were special, that they are God-fearing. Words mean nothing. How many of you have ever encountered someone and within a few minutes of meeting them, they somehow managed to slide in some comment about how great they are, what they've did, what they've accomplished, what they can do, what they gave, how spiritual they are. Because they want you to hang on that. They want you to suck all that in. They want you to believe that they are a good person, that they are trustworthy, that they are special. It has been my experience in life that the more a person talks themselves up, that the more they have to cover up. There are people that will sell Jesus shirts. They'll put, I believe, but yet they have never stepped foot in a church. And you see that by the fruits they bear, you doubt they even have salvation. Now 
See, oftentimes people see giving as an investment. That's why people make large donations to campaign funds. And they see of a way of calling in a favor later. When they make donations to the church, they see it as a way of gaining influence with the church. Influence with the people. People think they can buy their way in. That they can come in and they can take over. It's not about God. It's about self-serving. They think it's a small price to pay for a bigger payout later. So many churches up and down the road, and it's because they split and split again, all because someone couldn't get their way and they weighed somewhere else to make their way. We have this mentality that if we can't take control, if we can't get what we want, then we don't want to destroy it. We want to destroy whatever else causes us not to get it. This is what exactly what, why Jesus went on the cross. The mentality of the people, because he wasn't doing exactly what they wanted. So what did they do? They, cru- they cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. He wasn't coming then to set up his kingdom. He wasn't coming right then to break them from the repression of the current government. So he wasn't doing what they wanted to do. Put him on a cross and crucify him. If he can't do what we want, we don't need them. I've heard people say that they attend a certain church because that's where the predominant people go. And that's a good way of making connections. Church is not about personal profit. It's not about taking advantage of people. It's not a hangout place. It's not a place of gossip. It is not a place for entertainment. It's not about people. It's not about music. It's not about the building. Church is about God. We see Jesus come into the temple and starts overturning tables because they're doing just that. Making it a prophet. Matthew 5 and 38. He has heard that it has been said, An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Verily I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twine. Give to them that ask thee, and from him that would borrow from thee, do not turn away. The world we live in today, we are looking at what we can get. If we order something at a restaurant and there's a fly in our soup, the first thing we think is, oh boy, I'm going to get a free meal. If someone bumps our car, then the next thing we're doing, we're hoping we're going to get a brand new paint job out of the deal. If we have a slip and fall, if we have a contract breached, if we have an injustice, whether it be real 
or perceived. We are looking for a payday. I was driving to church this morning on the radio. An ad comes up. It's for an attorney's office. And they say the number one question they, people ask is, what is my case worth? What is my case worth? And of course, they proceed to tell you, well, it depends on how good your lawyer is. We're looking for a payday. 2011, there was more than one half a million lawyers active in the United States. 34,000 is added each year. The amount of lawyers is growing faster than the need for the population growth. Despite that, the hordes of lawyers every year managed to stay busy. And not only that, they managed to do well enough to make others want to join their ranks. 34,000 a year and growing. God is providing for all our needs. He tells us that. He says, if I'm going to take care of the little birds, why would I not take care of you? We have to have faith to allow that to happen. We have to have a fear of God to allow that to happen. We have to follow his commandments. We have to follow his instructions. We have to get our hearts and our spirits right. Pay attention to that because there's more of that coming soon. We truly have nothing to worry about. God will provide. Not only that, he will cause our enemies to fall in their own traps. No weapons formed against us will prosper. We have no reason to cheat God. We don't have to plot. We don't have to scam. We don't have to collect on a misfortune. God is keeping a record and God will settle all the scores in his time. No matter how hard we try, no matter how good you think you are at hiding it, your sin will come to light. What is in your heart is who you are. And that will always come forward. Luke 6 and 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth what is good. And an evil man out of evil treasure of his heart bring forth what is evil. For the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And we've all seen that in our own lives. We've all encountered people. And by the way they talk, by the way they do, by the way they act, we know what is in their hearts. We can't do anything without God. When we take God out of the equation, the only thing in our future is failure. That's the only option. We are meant to work hand in hand with God. He is our Heavenly Father. He is our provider. He is our source of joy. He is our protector. He is everything. We need to think about what a condition of our heart is. When something happens to us, 
when somebody comes against us, when we have a misfortune, when times are hard, times are good. What is the condition of our heart? What is in your heart today? What do you want? What do you want it to be? Working on something else and our goal when we come to church is it's not for an entertainment factor. There's so many times, so many different places now that everything is a big production. We have fancy screens and large crowds and smoke and bands and a production. We're not here to get entertained. And they can stand up and they can tell you all these feel-good things. How good God is and what He's going to do for you. But when you leave out the part where you can't keep living your life day after day the way you're going, that you can't live in sin and expect the goodness of God, then that's a problem. Setting us up to fail. Because the truth is that we have to have a godly heart. We have to have a godly spirit. And sometimes that can be difficult. We have a lot of things that we're clinging on to. Things of the world. Things that come against us that we're holding on to. And as time goes on, people keep saying, well, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. It's not okay. God tells us it's not okay. And when we wonder why our prayers are not getting answered, we wonder why the world's in the state of it is, it's because everybody's saying it's okay. That church is not important anymore. God is not important anymore. That it's... It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes passion. We hear all these feel good things about all the things that God can do for us. I'm hoping that we all want these things. Well, if we do, are we willing to put the time in? Are we willing to make the sacrifice that we need to make? Are we willing to do what we need to do? It's all for our benefit. How could anything be any grander than the abundance of God? We talked a little bit last week or so about the rewards in heaven. Can you imagine what is that going to be like? Can you imagine that anything here can be any grander than what the rewards of heaven is going to be like? Eternity. That is what we are working for. Eternity. This time is just a blip on the radar screen. Just a moment. And it's running out quickly. You have to decide right now how you're going to spend the rest of it. Not another day is guaranteed. Not another moment is guaranteed. We have to make the most of each and every day. We can't just keep saying that later, later, later. We always have some kind of an excuse. Well, I have to do this first. I have to clean up that. I have to do this. No, the time is now. The time is now. We cannot do it alone. And it's so much easier with God. 
Life can be so much easier with God. Just let him have control. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we struggle so much in life. We're under this, this earth curse, Father, due to the fall of man, and we just try to do so much ourselves, Father. We so live in feel much fear of running out, not having enough, and, and people taking it away, Father. We ask you that you remove these burdens from our hearts, Father, that we can live in peace knowing that you are in control. Knowing that you have all the answers, Father. Knowing that you have mapped out every step for us, Father. Let us be able to break away these shackles, Father, that the world has put on us, that Satan has put on us, that we've put on ourselves. That keep us from living in this peace, Father. We ask that you to guide us, protect us, Father. And I know, Father, there are hearts out there that have not receive Jesus, have not even started yet on this path, that they will find a way to get to your son, Father, and find that sweet salvation. And I know there is many of us, Father, that's taken salvation many years ago, but yet things have gotten in the way. Life has gotten in the way. The world has gotten in the way, Father. That sin has gotten in the way. That's clouded our map, Father. That's muddied our path. That we are walking now in the ditch, Father, instead of up on the path, hand in hand with Jesus. We ask, Father, that we can remove these burdens and get back on that path, Father. Get back in a way that is pleasing unto you, Father, and through that, that we can be blessed, that we can have that abundance, Father, that we can have everything that you say that we've already got. Let us receive it, Lord. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Page 13 in your hymnals.